Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. And today we have Oleg Bortman with us today. He is the co-founder of Brokery. It sounds like bakery, but it's better because they give you a house to do the baking in. Oleg, welcome to the show. Umar, thank you so much for having me on this beautiful Friday before a long holiday weekend. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's like uh, one of those few holidays that uh, the U.S. and Canada share. Like, uh, you know, Canadians are trying to be overachievers, so you have Thanksgiving a month before the Americans do. So. (laughs) (laughs) So before we came online, you had asked me, you know, where are you from? I said, I'm from Baltimore. I left there. And you went, oh, I found it too dangerous. But I just want to do a shout out to Baltimore. Baltimore is an amazing city, beautiful people. And they're so obsessed with neighborhoods. There's 228 neighborhoods in Baltimore. And if you go to any other city in the world and they say, where do you live? You go, hey, York Road and Northern Parkway, two major intersections. And the Baltimore people go, where is that? I don't get it. What's the name (laughs) of the neighborhood? And it's like, oh, it's uh, Lake Walker. It's like, oh, Lake Walker. And so community's big. And if you go to certain neighborhoods, you can get shot. But uh, that's in any city, but uh, a beautiful, beautiful place. And where in the world are you, Oleg? I'm in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. Um, been out here since uh, 2007, about 15 years, and I absolutely love it now. It's kind of a blessing of America, right? There's like so many different vibes and climates, and it's a big country, and you can decide where you want to live and easily get in the car, get on a plane, a helicopter, and just get to wherever you want to go. Well, I don't know if I can get in a helicopter. I don't know if I can afford one of those travel days, but however, um, yes, America is amazing. I grew up in New Jersey in a in the East Coast. So I'm familiar with Baltimore. Um, it's a great place to be. The East Coast is great, but I do love Phoenix. Phoenix is definitely my home. The weather, we have sunshine like 360 days out of the year. You have mountains, hiking, biking, whatever you want to do. So I, I do call Phoenix my new home. Brilliant. And one of the things, I'm not sure other countries do this, but something crazy about America is minding your own business, driving down the highway, and this sign, world's biggest donut or world's <laughs> biggest crater. And you have to pull over and go there and, and eat donuts or buy souvenirs and all that hokey shit. I love it. Yeah. Do they have that in other countries too? Or is it just like uh, Americana? Uh, I think it's Americana. I, I was born in Ukraine. So I came over at that time it was the Soviet Union. I came over in the late 70s. And even when I went back and visited, no one's bragging about the high rise living style or the desolate neighborhoods here. Every I think you're right. Every state, every city has to be known for something. Even go to like New Mexico and you drive by the UFO area like, oh, the UFO diner. Area 54. Yeah. (laughs) So you came over from Ukraine when it was part of the Soviet Union. That's correct. So what was something... Let me give you uh, an example, then I'll come back to the question. I was uh, listening to this interview about this Holocaust survivor, and she'd gone to the camps, and she said, you know, we still had joy there. 
like there was like celebrations and there was like all this horrible stuff going on, but there was still some joy there as well. And most people were like, no, no, it's horrible. It was the worst thing ever. And, and it was, but humans create this uh, amazing connections. The question to you is this, what were some of the things that Americans didn't know about Ukraine that were wonderful and beautiful, even in the Soviet Union that you were like, what did they think of Ukraine back then? And what were they missing that you could say, you know, hey, wait a minute, there was some magic there as well. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. As I, I came over, I was a little kid, I was about three and a half years old. And actually, two days ago, August 31st was when we landed in America, oh. in, in, in New Jersey. So it's 43 years ago, my mom sent me a text. And I was like, she types in 43. I'm like, Mom, I'm 46. <laughs> but you don't look a day over 43, honey. <laughs> That's right. And, and she's like, no, no, this is, we came over here 43 years ago. What people, what I loved about the Ukrainian culture is really the, um, they, they're like glue. They stick together through thick and thin and they don't forget. Meaning? So meaning like in America, our attention span is seven seconds. Like, yeah. you know, a car deal, a, a car makes a bad car and all these people get in bad accidents three years ago, three weeks later, their stock is through the roof. Everyone forgot about it. Yeah. The culture in the Soviet Union, Ukraine, um, if, if you hurt my neighbor 300 years ago, my great grandfather told my grandfather told my, my parents. It's in a I, list I, in the book. I wrote it down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so they, they might give you forgive you a little bit, but they won't ever forget because they don't want history to repeat itself. Yeah. And I think that talks a lot about culture, obviously, the, the you know, the disaster. and But that culture, the neighborhood, like you could go every everyone lived in like high rises in, in that area called ghettos. The ghettos are just high rise uh, apartments. Yeah. There's 30 stories high and there's 3000 people and everybody lives together. You can go to work and your neighbor will watch your kid for you. And you're so and everyone's your fine with it. Yeah, totally. Like when we came here and I and I got married, my wife is from Phoenix and she's like, oh, tell me you know, about this person. I'm like, oh, that's my cousin, my cousin, my cousin. She's like, you don't have 82 cousins. I yes, asked I do. Your mom. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's just a style of a culture that that is just absolutely amazing in different parts of the world. You know what's kind of interesting is uh, this is probably true in India too, but in Pakistan, in Pakistan, uh, you have your your mom, and then she has a sister. There's a different title for a younger sister and an older sister, so it's not just aunts. They've got a specific title. Same thing for her brothers, and different names for your father's sisters, older and younger, <laughs> and brothers. So the relationships. When you say this is my mamu, somebody else understands. Oh, father's side, older brother which I probably wow. got it wrong. So don't, don't send me any hate mail, <laughs> Pakistanis. So let's talk about how your Ukrainian heritage informed you as a businessman, you as a realtor, you as an investor. How did that change how you showed up in life? Yeah, so, yeah, and it did. I mean, we came over as Jewish immigrants in 1979. The borders closed in 80. So we, we literally landed in August. If we wanted to come in January, we, we weren't coming to America. So my parents gave everything up. We didn't have a lot, but to give up, you know, even a little bit was a lot oh, for yeah. them. We didn't have the language. My mom was 30. My dad was 42. My sister was about, is about three years older than me. No English. We were sponsored out here. So we only knew hard work, character, and to work harder than the next person. That's the only way you survive. And definitely got to learn how to hustle. You got to figure out how to put bread on your table, how to, you know, so we're used to working 12, 14, 16 hour days. That, that's just how the culture is. You're out there hustling, meeting your neighbors. 
Um, so I grew up, went to public schools, uh, got a degree in bio pre-med, um, mm-hmm. went to college because every, every immigrant, uh, especially Jewish immigrants, the kid, is, a, doctor. Is a, a doctor or a lawyer, those are my only yeah. two options, right? <laughs> so you, you, you can understand. So um, are, are you saying that Will Smith is a Ukrainian Jew? Cause uh, you know, one of the things he talks about is, uh, there's better actors than me, but no one's going to outwork me. Mm-hmm. And you know he means and he believes it. So maybe he is a Jewish Ukrainian guy. I don't know. <laughs> he could be. Uh, it, it's funny. We just did a 23 and me. And this is a question out, you know, I'll throw out there. It's kind of uh, out there or one of those DNA tests. And I came back as 100 percent European Jew. Right. How can they tell by my blood that I'm Jewish? Like they, they don't know Muslim, Catholic. Yeah. So Will Smith could be a U- Ukrainian Jew for all we know. We don't know. <laughs> Isn't that amazing times where we live in where we can actually uh find lost siblings that we didn't know even existed uh, with this kind of technology. Amazing. So we, yeah. So you yeah, asked, so we landed here in, in New Jersey and instantly my mom got a job. My dad got a job, I'm not speaking the language. My dad was a sheet metal mechanic. We go to work at six o'clock in the morning, come back at five or six at night. Um, my mom would, uh, she was a seamstress. She didn't know how to sew in, in Soviet Union at the time, but she learned because she had to figure nice. out how to put bread on the table. So we're, Work ethic is, I think it's in our blood. You don't have a choice. As an immigrant, you come here, you're going to outwork everybody. So you, you add that plus the opportunities, just that knowing that if you work harder than your neighbor, you will actually make more money than your neighbor. Yes. In Soviet Union, Ukraine at that time, you could work harder than the other 3,000 neighbors and you're all getting paid the same. Whatever the government says, here's your uh, check for 500 bucks, subsidized housing, lower, we all pay the same for electric bills. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor, teacher, you might make an extra $5 a month, but we're all making the same. Well, that's proven not to work so well. Oh, 100%. So right now you're a co-founder at the brokery. And why did you call it the brokery? That's actually a kick-ass amazing name. I really like it a lot. It kind of uh, makes it more approachable. Thank you. Um, yeah. So my business partner, Tucker, uh, he's, he's the brains behind the marketing and design. Um, I'm more of the uh, social bunny, the sales guy. Um, so we, we, we were looking at rebranding. Uh, we bought out our broker in 2017. Her name was very niche. So we started uh, he, he, Tucker, you know, he's, he's a, he's brilliant when it comes to markets. He comes up with all these names and then he comes up with the word, the brokery. And I was like, Hmm. And I always want to know about the story behind the name. Right. So if you look at the story of the brokery back in the day when uh, people started going from the east to the west, every little town that had a real estate office when the cowboys were going across looking for gold, that real estate office was called the brokery. So that's where. Interesting. So, yeah, it's got a good heritage. Yes. So that's where real estate was traded was at the brokery. So when he said it, I was like, oh, my God, it just like I got, you know, it, it resonated with me. I'm like, this is amazing. It's open to all. Anybody can come in as, as you would please. And you could have a luxury home. You could have a, any, any style home, any price point. Mm-hmm. But the story of the brokery is what resonated. And, and that's why the name stuck. Brilliant. So how many agents do you have in your brokerage? So right now we have about 40 agents. Uh, we have three offices. We just bought our first one in Scottsdale. We're renovating nice. that as well. So we're expanding into our fourth. And it's it's a great time. You know, people are like, oh, my God, the, the market, the market, the pandemic, all this stuff. In the middle of the pandemic, we bought our third office two years ago. Now we're expanding into our fourth. What's, a, what's the great thing about America, and we talk about limitless sales, is 
every day is an opportunity for somebody to grow. Yeah. I, I, I don't care about cycles. I'm not here to buy a lot. I mean, if I could buy a lottery ticket and win a billion dollars on mega millions, it'd be great, but I'm the long-term play. So every day there's always an opportunity. If you have a business plan and a business structure, there's an, always an opportunity for five, 10, 30 years from now growth. So that's why we're still buying in, in a market that's so crazy all over the place. Brilliant. So what do you do to uh, make your agents fearless, bolder, more confident? Yeah. So coaching and mentoring is one of the, the key things. So I was in pharmaceuticals for over 15 years. I've been in a lot in sales, probably about 25 years. My wife, my mom would say I've been in sales since I was born. I always sold her on something. So I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so I might have 40 plus years of sales. So I, I, I be, I'm a huge believer in education mm-hmm. and sharing successes. So we do a lot of coaching and mentoring. We do a lot of one-on-one business coaching here. Everyone has a business plan. Real estate is one of those things. In Arizona, if you want to be a realtor, you can go take a nine-day crash course mm-hmm. and take a, the state test, fingerprints, and be licensed within three weeks. Wow. Right? It's crazy. And then also you're, you're like an advisor, a consultant, like for somebody for $4 million house or $50,000, you don't even know how to write a contract, but you could be licensed. So, and that's, and then people see it on TV, million dollar listings, the sunset one. I, I don't watch it. So easy. TV. So easy. And they show the potential commissions of 300,000 or $80,000, but that's not the reality. So I do a lot of business coaching and business training here. Mm-hmm. So when you make that check for 50,000, 5,000, or 300,000, you don't go buy a Ferrari oh, yeah. when the check hasn't cracked. It hasn't even cashed yet. <laughs> so we're very big on, on, on how to plan for three, five, 10, 30 year business. You know what's kind of interesting is uh, Mark Wahlberg, the actor. Yes. He used to be Marky Marks, the rap singer. Yes. And they did this TV show called Entourage. I'm not sure if you saw it. Love One of my favorites of all times on HBO. Which I love that. But uh, he was on the interview saying, you know, when he was like a rapper, he'd get like a really big fat check and they'd go buy a Lamborghini (laughs) and not have enough money for the insurance. (laughs) And he said, you know what? I always had this mentality. More money is coming. Don't worry about it. He would just spend like a maniac. And then he got a a lot smarter later. But uh, so let's talk about this, Oleg. They could be in your single days. They could have been yeah. like somebody super attractive in a bar that you went, oh my God, I got to meet that person. And you could have somebody else that you want to meet that could be attractive or not, but it's just like, I want to be friends with them. And that person that you want to be friends with, you go up and say, hey, I'm Oleg and have just a great conversation and make friends. But if it was somebody that you really wanted and it was a romantic thing, this likelihood that you go, hi, uh, my name's, because uh, <laughs> it would change the dynamics of it. And so people have issues around, uh, we'll call it sex. Uh, another area is money. Yep. It's like, uh, I want that $300,000 a commission, but sometimes when they get it, they make dumb decisions, not because they're idiots, because they feel uncomfortable with that much money. Totally. So the relationship with money is really important. So how do you help agents that you have, don't name names, that you can see, you know, that person has some money issues. Like they're smart, they're intelligent, they do what they want, but they've got this like a scarcity mentality or issues like that. If you've come across that in the past, how did you handle it? It's a great question. I, I do come across it quite a bit. We get agents that are coming over to us um, with a lot of debt, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we call them the $30,000 millionaire. They get their BMW, they drive around in Scottsdale, and they make 
excuse me, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year. And so they come over, the credit cards at twenty thousand. They're like, oh my God, I need this transaction. So they're running around all over the place trying to get it. So what I try to do is we sit down and as as we create their business plan, we first and foremost sit down. And not all agents are open to it. Some people are like, yes, oh, like I need help. I'm I'm in a financial disaster when I get money. And some are like, oh, I'm not gonna tell you my situation. Those that are open to my best. You're not seeing these cards. <laughs> totally. Right. Those that are open to it, we sit down and say, okay, let's start from the basics. How much is your rent? How much is your so we we literally your break. Nut? That's right, right. We call it like what, what we call it the BAM bare bare minimum of what you need to make to yeah. to survive. The A stands for something else, but B, yeah. <laughs> you, you know what it stands for. Yeah. So um, and I and I I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to use those words, so I don't want to get you and me in trouble on the air. Of course but, not. Uh, so the, so we sit down, and some agents literally come in and they they, they think they're like oh my overhead is a thousand bucks, but they're actually spending $4,500 a month. And I'm like, well, pause right there. Pause right there. Yeah. So that is a perfect example of beliefs around money, where if they just did a simple arithmetic, they'd know, but they deluded themselves. That's just a thousand a month. And they really believe it. That's and right. so it's amazing that capacity for self-delusion. And we all have blinders in different areas of our life. And people are going, how could somebody do that? And it's like, well, let me ask you about your life and where you have your blinders. But anyway, please go on. It just astounds me how we can delude ourselves. It's, it's amazing. So we sit down and we talk about it because they're like, oh, you, know, you go out. I'm single. I go on a Friday. I said, how much is your average built bar tab? Oh, well, I buy a round. I didn't ask how much you, how many rounds you buy. And then you start looking at the credit cards. Like, oh my God, I spent 5,000, 4,000. I said, well, that's why you're in debt for 25,000. I said, and by the end of the year, the rate you're going, you're going to be debt 50,000. Mm-hmm. It's just going to get, so, so we started figuring out like, do you need, do you need this? Do you need that? They started cutting things out. I said, or you don't have to be a penny pincher. You could just go out and work hard. You, you, you work one day a week. I do two open houses and you expect to make 300,000. I said, I'll work for you. You pay me 300 grand. I'll work two days a week like you do and expect to make 300,000. They're like, well, I won't pay you that much. Of course not. So then it's, you know, they don't have the self-motivation or the self-accountability mm-hmm. to get up every day like you or I and go work 12 or 14 hours. It wasn't instilled in them. So then we start saying, all right, you want to spend $5,000 a month. You need to sell X amount at 3% commission minus the co-broke for the house. This is what you have to do. And then we start working backwards, like, okay, so if you work, you talked about the bar. This is the same, I do this scenario all the time. When I was younger and single, you know, just math, just regular numbers. If I went up to 10 girls and I, I, I never looked good, I would get at least, even if I was awful at sales, you I would get one. a number. Yeah, wow. one, right? 10%. So that's what we would just start working backwards. Like, if you want to close X amount, you need to meet 30 people this month. And in sales, you'll close three of them. And that's how we start doing one at a time. So we first figure out what their overhead is. And then we figure out, don't tell me you want to make, okay, you want to make 300,000. Are you now willing to work five days a week, eight hours a day to make that money? And if you are, we then start, um, then, you know, after 45, 60 days, they get one deal in the contract, a second, a third. And now, now the big check comes in, right? So now they get a check for 40, $50,000. And so working for three months. And they're like, oh, my God, I'm going to upgrade my car. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is the business plan you and I sat down and you signed off on. Your first thing you got to pay is your credit card because it's 14% interest. And your car. If you're lucky, if it's 14%, but yeah. Right. Yeah. It it could be 22%. 
I said, and your car is at 299. So first we agreed, this is what you signed it. You're going to start paying this off. You cannot buy a new car until all of this is paid off. And then you have six months of savings in your bank account. Now you're starting to get financial freedom. And, and that's what we, I do with so many agents here one at a time. And now then they, you know, then a year and a half later, they finally buy a house, their whole life changes. So two things there. Number one, uh, you could see somebody that's struggling, they're earning $70,000 a year, they're in debt, credit cards off the charts, and then they start earning $200,000 a year. Most people will just have a higher quality of life and still be in debt. Totally. Unless they got discipline, like what you're describing. And here's something that's kind of sobering. So, Oleg, I want you to do this uh, if you're brave enough to do it. Next time you're in the downtown streets of uh, which city is it? Phoenix. Phoenix. And you see a homeless person go up and look at their cup. And if they have uh, $10 in their cup, you can give them a big hug and say, congratulations, you're richer than 25% of all Americans. Because uh, there are people with a much higher standard of living, but if you take a look at the debt they have versus yep. what it's worth, they're in negative territory. And a, a homeless person with 10 bucks is richer than 25% of all Americans, which is just uh, shocking. Shocking. And I believe it. You're 100% right. It's unbelievable. Can you tell my average... wife that, that I'm 100% right? That happened a while. <laughs> Give me your phone number. I'll text her right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, like, uh, you seem like a really smart guy and care for your agents. In order for you to be uh, relevant, I suspect that you are always learning and getting better at what you do. So what are some of the areas that uh, you've improved in the past? And what are you looking to improve now to be better, stronger, faster, Oleg? Yeah. So I, I, you know, it's interesting. I, and, and I have, I, I feel like I have evolved um, at least on the global scale of how global noise and global economics impacts us as a, as a, as American and, and there's, the we also have yeah. yeah, for sure. So obviously the strength of a dollar or the weakness of a dollar, what's going on um, in New York actually does not transfer transposed to what happens here in Phoenix. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very diligent on understanding population growth, migration patterns. Um, there's sub markets, what kind of industries are crucial or moving to our area. So living in Phoenix, when we came back here, my wife is from here in 2007, Phoenix is primarily driven by vacationers, people like the golf uh, resorts and excuse me, real estate, those were the, that, that was the industry. So if, right. in, if, if real estate went down or tourism went down, we were screwed. In the last eight to 10 years, uh, we've gotten so many chip companies coming out here or expanding. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Like State Farm obviously is an insurance, but they uh, bought out all of Tempe and they brought like 1,500 high paying executives. Right. Well, high paying executives make six figure jobs. That gives them stability in the market. Uh, Intel is doing a $20 billion expansion with a B. You know how many jobs and houses and money's coming? Tai Taiwanese semiconductors coming here, $12 billion. So as I understand the economics of, of even the Arizona as a state, it helps me help my agents when they're talking to buyers. They're like, oh, it's a bubble, another crash, and then all, the, all this noise. I heard it on... Uh, on, on this news channel or that news channel, doesn't matter which news channel, recession, all, all these fear mongering going on all the time. There's some fact to it, very little. The rest is all noise. And then you got to look at really 
Well, that's I understand it may happen in New York or California because it's been shut down for two years and they don't want to reopen for whatever reason. But reality is everyone's coming here. Yep. And the market's going to be boosted up because of that. That's exactly right. So I look at it more of a economic thing versus just what I'm hearing on, on a TV anymore. You know, what's kind of interesting to me is uh, your job as a leader oftentimes is your confidence in the people that you lead allows them to leverage it and be braver. And so it's a critical uh, element of leadership is just uh, having that information, being grounded and being that person to lean on, which, you know, just allows people to reach their potential. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I agree with you. If, if you see weakness in your leader. Yeah. Right. It's like even presidents of countries or of other countries. Um, when the war broke out with Ukraine, America offered Zelensky a flight out. If he flew out, forget about Ukraine. It's over. Yeah. He's staying like so you're 100 percent right. It's all the, the the leader has to. But you as a leader, too, I believe and Umar, you have many more years of experience than me. The leader has to be confident and share the true knowledge. You, you can read through BS. So ultimately, uh, what leads to a really kick ass, amazing team is uh, one people have to trust in themselves. They have to trust in their teammates, and that's including yep. you. They have to trust in the processes, yep. and there needs to be a kick-ass, amazing vision. And when you do that, that's where you get real power and stability. And it doesn't matter what's happening in the market. People stay true to what the vision is and the mission is. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, Ukraine is an interesting example of uh, leadership. Yep. Even looking at the leadership from the U.S. towards Ukraine, it's not where it needs to be. Correct. And so it's like, you know, we're sending them uh, money and arms and stuff, which is, you know, absolutely needed. Like it would be all over without that. And of course, what they're doing in the country itself, just standing up and uh, staying true to what they want to do is, you know, have a free country. Yes, absolutely. That's, and I think this is human beings, there's 8 billion of us on this planet. Mm -hmm. We are so blessed here in America because for at least still today, we can, we can talk about our freedoms. Yes. People born in other countries, you, you can't even speak up. You, you can't even leave the country. Can't leave the country and uh, you can't speak up. But next week, the secret police will come take you away. You'll never be okay. seen again. <laughs> yeah. So the, the freedom. And that's the thing, like, you know, as I've, and you also, so as I've gotten older, um, I'm very, I, I'm very spiritual. So mm -hmm. I believe in a higher power, the man upstairs. And I, I, I thank him every day for giving me another day here on, on the planet. And I think that has helped me ground myself to value time. The one thing we all have equal is time. And we're born is time. That's the only thing we're born equally is time. And so as I read more books, I have an incredible business coach that challenges me all the time. I have a great business partner. Um, but I value my time. I have two kids now. Um, my son just turned 11. My daughter's nine and a half. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Beautiful wife. We just uh, celebrated our 16 year anniversary yesterday. And I value my time. As I get older, I value time more than I did when I was younger. Yep. Because as I get older, I see more and more friends, you know, life happens to them. And so somebody passes away and I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm spending now more time with those that want and have earned for me to spend time with. Right. And that's the freedom I get to choose who I spend time with. 
That's one of the key freedom options. I get to choose who I'm going to dedicate time of my day with somebody that I don't want to spend time with. So I, I, I'm one of the luckiest, luckiest, I would say hardworking person, but I absolutely love the freedom of now to choose who I donate my time on a daily basis. And it's a conscious decision. And one of the things I'm struggling with right now is just remembering every interaction that I have that I really need to come at it with love. And so once in a while during the day, I remember that. It's like, you know, hey, like I was playing tennis today and it was like, okay, as the ball's coming towards me and I'm playing this person, I need to come at this from love. And what that does is allows me to slow my game down, allows me to be better at what I'm doing and do it in a way that uh, doesn't have ego, but it just improves my game dramatically. And uh, so that's one of the things I'm working on right now is just uh, making that conscious decision in every interaction that uh, if we were together, it doesn't mean I'd hug you and kiss you, but unless you really want, but <laughs> I am a hugger and kisser, by the way, but how I show up for uh, our meeting, it informs that. And if I change how I show up with the right intention and it uh, changes the way you show up, because you can sense, Hey, here's somebody that's coming at kind of a interesting, kind way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. So before we part company, Oleg, I have three questions for you. Sure. Number one, what specific thing in your life makes you happy? Uh, everybody around me. So my wife makes me happy. Every day I wake up on my own and can get out of bed. Yes. It's already, it's, it's happy day. my day's made. It's my day's nice. made. Um, I created a, a, a new, I guess, motto for myself. I've I always been an optimist my whole life. Yes. And, you know, you always hear this saying, uh, my, my cup is half full. Yes. Uh, we had a team meeting a few months ago and I was like, you know what? Actually, it's, my cup is not half full anymore. My cup is always full. I love it. So just waking up every day is what makes me happy. Ah, brilliant. So I've got a friend of mine, we're having lunch and uh, he's talking about his wife, uh, who's a little pessimistic. And I happened to be drinking water out of the glass and it was, uh, you know, uh, half full. And I go, is she uh uh, my glass is half empty kind of girl. He says, no, there is no glass. There is no water. We're going to die of thirst kind of girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the complete opposite. My glass is always full. Ah, I love it. I'm the, I'm the happiest person you'll, you'll meet. And you know, uh, one thing that's kind of interesting is uh, that makes you freaking uh, contagious, which is a blessing. <laughs> Thank you. Number two, uh, what's one mind hack or technique that you'd like to share with people that would allow them to have happier, more fulfilling lives? I think they need to do self-reflection of how fortunate they are just to be alive. Yeah. I've had friends that have a cancer and they beat it. You ever, you, we've all had a friend that had a, almost a, like a situation yeah, they died, yeah. right? And then they... And then you see them and they're like a whole new person. Why do you have to experience it for yourself to be almost dead, to experience the best part of life? If your friend tells you that happened to them, you don't have to also experience it. Like if someone uh, invented a, a round tire, it doesn't mean I have to go invent another one. I can just make it better. So, so when I get experiences like that, I'm, I just, some, I would say at least a couple of times a year, self-reflects like, oh my God, another story. I am so happy. And that reboots me like, man, I, I really need to turn my optimism up a level. Love that. And ask your mother if uh, we're two brothers, because, you know, that's my mindset as well. It's uh, when people like, why do you have to wait till near death experience to kind of go, wait a minute, 
why am I wasting my time here? I could be focused on X, Y, Z. And it could be starting a company or being there for your family. It's like, uh, do so now and why wait? And the other thing that pisses me off beyond belief is you've heard stories like this. It's uh, dad has died and Billy and John are at the funeral and they haven't spoken in 30 years because they're both Ukrainians. That's why, because they have, oh, you, <laughs> exactly. you wronged me 30 years ago. And it's like, 100%. why does it take the death of a parent for them to go, oh my God, man, why, why are we doing this? It's like, let me smack you one and like just uh, forgive and accept who people totally. are. Totally. And here's the last question that could be the toughest. Are you ready? I'm sitting down. All right. What's the question I should have asked you that I did not? Um, what is my five, three to five year plan? Hold on, Oleg. <laughs> <laughs> What's your three to five year plan? So I'll try to put it in a nutshell. I was, uh, I'm a big fan of success yes. all around the world. So Elon Musk has been all over the radio, obviously, in the last couple of years, more than, than ever. And one thing that resonated with me, and I had to kind of take a step back and reflect, was Elon Musk was born in South Africa. Yes. At the age of 50, becomes the richest person on the planet. Of 8 mm-hmm. billion people, becomes the richest person. He wasn't given anything. He didn't inherit oil fields. They didn't inherit anything. So I'm walking around and trying to inspire my kids every day. And I'm like, this is amazing. This guy at 20 years old comes to America, gets PayPal, sells it, opens up this, then gets Tesla, all this stuff. And so as I'm walking around, I tell my kids and, and I'm a believer of manifesting. Like if you, you got to see it to envision it, to succeed it. So get to the office one day early in the morning, take out the trash. Yes. I still take out the trash at the office. I'm, I'm not, I'm not too good for it. I'm walking I'm walking back and I'm like, man, if he could be the richest person on the planet, by the time he's 50, at the age of 50, I'm going to be a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Not sure how I'm going to get there yet. I haven't figured out the plan. However, that is now in my, ingrained in my mind on that is my next goal. So within the next three to five years, I'm going to be a billionaire. So I'm out there meeting new people, expanding my network, and having people challenge me on how I can grow my business to the next level. So my three to five year plan which will be, and my kids remind me now, because I'm going to be 50 in three and a half years. Right. Like every month, dad, you have a month less. less. <laughs> Come here. Um, exactly. My son's like, dad, you got three years left. So that's my three year five, three to five year plan is expand my network, work with people, find great partners. So we're partners to each other and we can all grow together successfully and hit my first billion by the time I'm 50. Ah, love it. Oleg, uh, this is the first of many conversations to come. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation and uh, say hi to your mom. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Have a great weekend. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 